section seventeen of with the royal army medical corps in egypt by sergeant major r a m c this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixteen military general hospitals in egypt part one the general hospital forms part of the war establishment of the r a m c and its normal capacity as officially laid down is that of five hundred and twenty beds the odd twenty being for sick officers its organization equipment and personnel are akin to those of the larger military hospitals in time of peace but the general hospital has in addition the means of supplying to patients on their discharge such articles of clothing equipment and odd necessaries as they may stand in need of in wartime it is no unusual thing for a wounded man to arrive at a base hospital shorn of all his previous belongings or his clothing may have been so completely destroyed as to render it fit only for the incinerator of these general hospitals two are officially allotted to each division taking the field at the time of the outbreak of the present war there were two permanent british army hospitals in egypt that at the citadel in cairo and the smaller one at Razel tin overlooking the harbour of alexandria these however were equipped only on a peace footing with two hundred and fifty and one hundred and twenty beds respectively we have already described how under the stress of the gallipoli crisis the hospital system at the egyptian base of the mediterranean expeditionary force was so established and developed as ultimately to reach a capacity of many thousand beds buildings of all sorts had to be acquired for the service of the wounded and sick in one form or another in all twenty-three permanent buildings nine hotels two places of entertainment seven schools four egyptian army barracks and fourteen private houses were pressed into the service and one large camp hospital under canvas was installed this list however does not include certain convalescent depots such as that at montazar which alone took over a thousand patients each there is perhaps no more exacting work in the whole army medical service than that which falls upon the staff of a general hospital especially under climatic conditions such as obtain in egypt in an earlier chapter that dealing with the time of the dardanelles avalanche of wounded to the egyptian base an attempt was made to record what sort and measure of duty devolved upon our men and women alike under circumstances of urgency perhaps unparalleled in the medical history of the war but even under the normal busy conditions such as have existed in egypt almost without a break since that memorable time the work in a general hospital 
is trying to the last degree monotony which is static which consists in a ceaseless even round of small duties none of them making any great demand on energy or interest is bearable because the mind is free to wing away at any moment into realms of compensating thought but monotony which is one never halting press of duties treading hard upon each other's heels duties by turns brain and body wearying heart aching or soul sickening a day-long and night-long giddy whirligig of sameness that gives one scarce time to eat or breathe or close a tired eye on a world that seems all suffering sorrow bloodshed death the man or woman who can plod serenely stalwartly on through day after day month after month of such a life must be made of more than mortal tegument he or she must be qualifying for a saint's aureola and few there be of that ilk in the ranks of the ramc it is not pretended that life in the huge base hospitals of egypt was always moving at this ding-dong pace there were intervals between the arrivals of the convoys of wounded when the work eased up to such a degree as almost to create a feeling of leisure among the white-gowned orderly crew but such moments were all too rare generally the great busy organism fared along like a powerful well-oiled locomotive pulling a heavy load sometimes straining and puffing at a steep gradient sometimes swooping easily downward but for the most part driving steadily forward at top gauge pressure through hill and dale the common give and take of busy days the object of these pages being the presentation of an account as complete as may be of what the royal army medical corps did in egypt during the great war it is necessary to deal at some length and in considerable detail with the subject of general hospitals seeing what a conspicuous part these played in the conflict from first to last perhaps however tedium to the reader can be avoided and the desired object equally attained if the story be allowed to tell itself through the medium of certain extracts from a diary kept by an orderly who was continuously employed in one of these base hospitals during the most stirring period of the war as far as possible where all did so splendidly the names of individual workers have hitherto been omitted from this chronicle and it is not necessary to depart from this wholesome rule in the present instance it will suffice if it be mentioned that the operating theatre orderly whose diary is here quoted at length was well trained in all branches of ramc work and capable of an accurate estimation of and deduction from facts it is needful to bear this in mind as the extracts in question not only deal with the work done 
but constitute in some measure an independent just and it must be owned rather intrepid criticism of certain of the conditions under which it was accomplished the writer however may well be left to make good or otherwise on his own account the operating theatre of a big military hospital in wartime is in a sense the eyes and ears of the place there is little that happens in the whole hospital that you do not see or get to know as theatre orderly your work takes you into almost every ward or department at one time or another and the business of most of the other orderlies in the building brings them to the theatre on various occasions we hear the surgeons talk between the cases and thus get a sort of second edition of matters discussed at the officers mess the theatre sisters bosom friends or enemies come to visit her in odd hours of leisure and volubly and voluminously unburden themselves of the latest rumours in feminine ramc affairs the patients talk to us telling us weird tales from the firing line that would never do for the papers but through it all we ourselves as the surgeon's orderlies and thus the creme de la creme of the hospital orderly class maintain an attitude of immaculate discretion we are at once exemplars of reticence and receptiveness we are like the closed wooden money-boxes of our schoolboy days quick to engulf coin but slow to yield it up again even to the exploratory persuasion of a dinner-knife the inveterate gossip though cautious men of the world do not emulate him has nevertheless his part to play unintentionally and for his own easement he livens the dry dust of your day's work just as the full-cropped bird of passage may cause the far mountain peak to clothe itself with verdure or the desert to blossom like the rose they have been tremendously busy in the surgical wards to-day and that is sure to mean hard work in the theatre to-morrow and for many days to come very early a big convoy of wounded arrived from the front a whole fleet of motor ambulances suddenly invaded the quiet of the hospital square in the blue dusk of dawn all loudly trumpeting like a stampeding herd of elephants directly the first vehicle turned the corner in the ghostly light the bell clanged out to summon all gdos to the work of carrying the cases up to the wards i stood midway along the great main corridor and watched the stream of laden stretchers flowing by it is hard work stretcher bearing and none but the youngest and strongest can keep on with it for any length of time i know because i have done my share of it in the past until i got p b for shell-shock and the desert and i parted company for ever i wonder if any one at home 
even the great D.G. himself, quite realises the amount and variety of heavy work that ordinarily falls upon an R.A.M.C. man on active service. Stretcher-bearing forms only a single part of it. On a battlefield, you often have to deal with a wounded man single-handed, get him unaided upon your own back, and carry him to the zone of safety, maybe a quarter of a mile away or more. Then a field ambulance moves with an unavoidable mass of necessarily heavy things, tents, medical and surgical panniers, bedding and what not. All these must be loaded and unloaded, tents pitched and struck, the water and food needed by the patients and staff fetched and carried, animals and vehicles cared for, cleansed. Scarce anything we do, but needs muscle as well as mind. I stood and watched the steadily flowing stream of wounded men that passed by me in the dawning yellow light, and wondered how much energy and hard work had been expended in the task of bringing them into this haven of succour and security. The last sunbeam of yesterday had probably seen them lying out amid the sandhills of Sinai, a hundred miles away, helpless, maimed, and torn. Now, before the sun could get another look at them, they were back in the midst of law and order once more. One little army of Red Cross men had contrived this laborious miracle for them. Here was another waiting, all the resources of medical service at its beck and call, to do more miracles in their service. Kind eyes, soft voices, gentle, clever hands, comfort and spotless cleanliness, order and quietude, fresh-plucked flowers blooming and waving near open windows, a scent of new linen on the air, the first sunbeams of the summer's morning, like Jacob's ladders of gold dust, gridding the tidy wards. How, I bethought me, should all this, the first impression of a general hospital, strike a wounded, helpless man, who but yesterday was brutishly blood-giving and blood-taking under the roar of cannon and reek of battle-smoke? There were a couple of hundred in the convoy, perhaps, and each man had to be got to bed, his clothes gently drawn or cut from him, his body washed, splints and bandages readjusted, perhaps, food given, his small personal belongings, if he had any, neatly arranged in the locker by his bedside, his hospital kit drawn for him, his military equipment taken to the pack store, and there left until he was well enough to reclaim it, or until it was certain he would need it no more. Then came the medical inspection. The doctor visited each bed in turn, and made a thorough examination of the case, deciding on future treatment. The cases were of all degrees of gravity, some needed only care and rest and nourishment to give nature all the chance she asked for. 
others required close attention the constant vigilance of doctor and nursing staff through long weeks perhaps before the patient would have drawn away from the danger line others required special complicated appliances and apparatus here and there a man was marked down for operation as soon as the busy theatre could find time to deal with him or as soon as his strength had been raised to the necessary point of endurance and all of them meant increasing care and hard work for the orderlies sisters and nurses of the ward dressing and bandaging blanket bathing the preparation and administration of food and medicine constant sanitary service the preservation of cleanliness everywhere the hundred and one nameless little officers due to the helpless sick and then there were the special things dictated by the subtropical climate in which we were working it was bad enough to have to endure bodily pain it was too much to have to put up with the added torment of heat and dust flies and mosquitoes little could be done to mitigate the heat that is when it was really hot in cairo one hundred and twenty degrees or so in the shade but the dust storms could be somewhat mitigated by wire meshed screens over windows and doors and mosquito nets over the beds would do the rest in special cases also the fan was a potent vehicle of mercy in our hospital at least on some brazen breathless afternoon i have passed through a ward and seen a fan steadily going over a flushed half-conscious face maybe that of a man just reviving from an operation and returning perhaps an hour after there would be the fan still at work a woman doing it very likely but just as often one of the orderlies a man soon learns the trick of delicacy in these little things and of course he can keep on much longer at the job if in the surgical wards of a general hospital the work of an ramc orderly is trying enough with its incessant nerve-harrowing crises and ghastly scenes it is perhaps even more so in the medical division every hospital orderly by nature and temperament falls into one or the other of these two great categories surgical or medical and the qualifications requisite for each are wide as the poles asunder you cannot make a good surgical orderly out of one whose tendencies and abilities naturally belong to the medical side while any attempt to bend one trained in surgical nursing to the meticulous round of medical affairs is but to waste time and good human material for medical ward work you must have a natural love of routine a memory as exact and unfailing as a ship's chronometer and a tireless cheery patience and then i am not sure that you will last long at the job unless you are further equipped with a sense of humour of the hardy perennial kind or at least a lively appreciation 
of the grotesque you will need this humour to preserve your sanity the women in hospital work at least in tropical countries are wiser than we are they keep themselves mentally salubrious by a periodical letting off of steam they run amok so to say among the gentler sex their male coadjutors get the necessary reaction pirate-wise somehow or other emerge smiling rejuvenated ready again for peace and quiet forgetfulness and forgiveness such as the hammer may be supposed to feel towards the nail after the due amount of clamorous collision you must not mind sparks nor what produces them if your life as an orderly in a general hospital ward is to be worth the living but that is another story which needs a different mood from that which besets me now i will jot down somewhat about it later in its place no i do not envy the medical orderly his job the more i see of it the more thoroughly it fills me with something very like aversion i can do anything for a wounded man but a sick man somehow chills me off it is a psychological matter i think sickness disease are abnormalities perhaps they are the fruit of demoniac obsessions in the real biblical sense who can certainly deny it at least they change a man physically mentally almost spiritually one might say while their sway is over him a man is not himself when in their clutches who or what else he is belike we shall never really know the day's round of duty in a medical ward is indeed a round the ring to which there is neither end nor beginning for if you take your work to heart you can never wholly separate yourself from it whether your spell of duty comes by day or night you come on duty at say six o'clock in the morning and find the night orderlies preternaturally wide awake bustling about in the early sunshine taking temperatures or lingering over little odd jobs loath even then to break the spell of action that is on them and be away to their beds there is that curious heavy atmosphere in the ward that dwells over sleeping men at night and never over sleeping men by day the night sister is still in the bunk you can see her through the open door busy over her report and displaying an alabaster-like prettiness under the pure white virgin light of the morning she is in no hurry to go either the junior orderlies just up fresh from early roll-call are already on their knees in a row at the far end of the ward it is scrubbing day to-day and the whole ward must be cleaned through before breakfast the harsh chorus of the scrubbing brushes and swish of the water join with the glad note of the birds that comes in through the open windows from the garden outside as orderly in charge 
you walk down the long rows of beds and take a look at each patient in turn exchanging a word with those who are awake this is a time of alternate pleasure and keen disappointment cases you well-nigh despaired of overnight have perhaps taken a wonderful turn for the better others who were improving have lost ground temperature up again all the odd perilous signs are light once more in wandering eye and flushed congested face and perhaps a form lies uncannily still and silent under the blue counterpane in the far corner the watching orderly nods grimly as you approach you take one quick look at the waxen mask on the pillow then draw the screens about the bed sharply you tell the orderly to fetch the stretcher squad and sharply you admonish another man hard by who indeed is doing his work well enough to lose a case is the most trying irritating thing of all does any one at home i mean among the plain workaday men and women in the street really know what sick nursing in a hot subtropical country like egypt actually means who has any more idea of it beyond the old pretty popular fancy of measuring out medicine three times a day cooling a fevered brow with lavender water and sticking a few roses in a bedside vase all these things and many more are done of course by the ministering angels of an ramc hospital ward in the east and pleasant it is truly to see the ladies of the queen alexandra's imperial military nursing service and the voluntary aid detachments flitting about a ward in their spotless white aprons and dainty caps carrying a sense of decent order and decorum wherever they go no one knows or is more ready to acknowledge the real value of nay the absolute necessity for the presence of a female nursing staff in a military hospital at all times than the writer of these lines if we orderlies did not fully and frankly acknowledge this there are thousands of grateful soldier patients in the army who would soon set the public right in the matter but what the public does not know and what it is our right and our duty to tell them is that practically all the hard work and assuredly all the dirty work of a hospital ward is done by the male nursing staff of the ramc and what work it often is it is difficult in a publication designed for the general reader where technical phrases must be avoided to convey a true impression of this matter without going into revolting details but a few guarded necessarily scanty words must be essayed despite all sanitary precautions in the field many thousands of our troops were attacked by bowel disorders enteric fever dysentery and the like the greater number of these were helpless bedridden cases involving a constant care of the most intimate personal kind 
not only had each patient to be maintained in a state of cleanliness as regards his person and everything with which he came in contact but where his complaint was infectious all sorts of antiseptic precautions had to be scrupulously observed dejecta had to be disposed of in certain ways medically laid down utensils garments and bed linen had to be antiseptically treated this rule also applying to the wards themselves and everything they contained to put the matter in plain words the orderlies in charge of these cases had literally to be elbow deep in filth of a highly dangerous kind morning noon and night this element of danger in nursing cases of infectious disease must not be overlooked it applies of course in a great degree to the doctors and female staff of the wards but it is the orderlies who have all the dirty work to do who run the principal risk as our core records of sickness amply show and yet there is never any difficulty in securing volunteers among them for emergency duty when outbreaks of exceptionally fatal diseases such as smallpox and cholera occur the fine spirit shown by our men in this regard during the whole of the egyptian campaign has been beyond all praise to be shut up in an isolation ward for weeks and months on end doggedly enduring a life such as no malefactor ever had meted out to him by an outraged law and doing it cheerfully faithfully to the end is just to behave like a hero there is no other word to fit the case it would not be a bad idea if a special decoration were instituted for men and women of this stamp and it might be called the father damian order i know many a one who would deserve it and get it too if deserts had all to do with its award much the same need of incessant dabbling in loathsomeness obtains in the surgical division of a hospital where so many perfectly helpless cases are continually under treatment and here there is the element of the horrible added to that of the revolting i am not saying that a surgical orderly normally goes about with his heart in his mouth he would be of little service if he did personally long use has so accustomed me to the sight and handling of shattered and yet living human bodies that there is i believe no terrible thing of this kind which could break my nerve but all the same experience does not lessen rather it heightens sensitiveness the more you see of war's terrible work though you are the more sternly tempered the more you dread it the more you see of suffering the more you suffer with it and the more sternly capable in the work of its assuation you become i have said that the climate has a deal of influence over hospital work in egypt only those who have lived the year through in a hospital here 
can fully realize what that influence is in egypt even in midwinter the days are always warm so long as the sun is up it is only the nights that are cold sometimes bitterly cold the egyptian winter is very short however both days and nights for the greater part of the year are hot with a peculiar dead dry scorching heat that is particularly trying to sick and well alike and there is always an impalpable dust in the air that even on the stillest days steadily collects upon everything a dust that in all probability is capable of carrying the germs of almost every known disease when the wind gets up the dust gets up with it and the harder the wind blows the more dust it brings the dust storms in cairo must be classed among the most unpleasant things that it is possible to conceive but there is something still worse that the old arab city keeps for us when in its most venomous mood the heat alone is bearable and heat and dust together keep ordinarily just within the limit of human endurance but when a great sandstorm comes raging in upon the city off the desert and heat dust and sand unite their forces against poor humanity then the stoutest heart may well grow faint i always pity the white women and especially the little pale peaky english children of cairo at these times if ever there was a time when an orderly should not answer back in counter to unreasoning feminine assailment it is this many have attempted to describe a really bad sandstorm over cairo city and in spite of heaping ossa upon pelion of ejaculation and superlative have wholly failed to convey an idea of the real thing i am not going to enter the futile competition i can only put in bald words how the thing strikes me suppose all egypt were made of brass and suppose the sun gradually through many portentous days and nights developed enough furnace heat to bring this brass first to the melting point and then to dissolve it into lambent yellow vapour and then suppose all the winds of heaven to join together in one mighty hurricane to gather up all the sands of the sahara to itself and hurl vapour and sand together in one incessant red-hot resounding avalanche upon the town then you will get some notion maybe a trifle exaggerated of what cairo is like in a typical summer sandstorm kamzin haboob or whatever you choose to call the infernal thing now conceive yourself one of the medical staff in a big military hospital full of sick and wounded trying to preserve some degree of decency and comfort among the patients under these conditions the sand and dust are everywhere closed windows and doors are of no avail against them they drive in through every chink and crevice 
and smother everything patients food floors furniture all alike a deep yellow twilight looms over the city such as london never saw in its palmiest days of november fog the electric lights have been switched on in the wards all the morning and added to this the wind outside keeps up a dreadful hollow banshee-like wail and makes every door and casement and skylight in the hospital rattle savagely so that you can scarce hear a human voice a dozen yards away of course these full-dress visitations of the elements are not of every day they are indeed rare one or two at most in a season but once experienced they are never to be forgotten it is small wonder the israelites were keen on getting out of egypt i am keen enough that way myself sometimes it is in the wards of course that the great bulk of the outward obvious work of a general hospital is done but there is a vast amount of other work equally necessary which the ramc staff has to get through daily but which does not meet the eye of the casual visitor take the quartermaster's department as a first instance generally speaking we have no use for the genius in the army medical service we form together so to speak a great machine concerning whose composition it is of vital importance that every one of its parts should be of exact gauge and flawless metal but in which a single part of superlative merit is nowhere needed but there is one exception to this rule the quartermaster of a great military hospital in wartime should be a genius in his own particular line all our quartermasters in egypt must have been so or the hospital service could never have held up as it has done against the mammoth strain to which it has been subjected this hospital of ours is by no means one of the biggest and yet in one year alone nineteen fifteen we took in thousands of cases all these people as well as the large ramc staff had to be fed every patient had to be provided with bed linen needing frequent change a suit of hospital clothes and a long list of odd necessaries on discharge all deficiencies in his service kit had to be made good often this meant an entire new rig out of clothing the hospital required innumerable things furniture utensils cooking gear household materials and implements and the like most of which needed periodical renewal and everything except a few perishable foodstuffs had to be obtained from home some three thousand miles overseas i take off my hat to the quartermasters of the ramc that they have done what they have done is obvious in the face of the accomplished fact but how it has all been accomplished fairly beats me 
then there are the clinical laboratories and the x-ray rooms to the laboratories go numerous specimens of blood sputum faeces etc for microscopical examination and bacteriological treatment in our own little way here taking the same year as before we dealt with some four thousand or five thousand different specimens anyone conversant with laboratory procedure will realize the vast amount of work involved in this each specimen has to be carefully prepared and treated before the microscope will yield any information about it it may have to be subjected to various reagents and several kinds of bacterial stains cultures on different media at certain definite temperatures will have to be made and examined at stated intervals all has to be done under strict aseptic conditions so that no alien element may intrude itself and vitiate the result the most simply equipped laboratory requires a bewilderingly extensive array of instruments and apparatus not to mention the brains needed to use them moreover a laboratory requires other things just as indispensable to the main object of its existence which is the saving of human life by prompt recognition of disease there must be little in the daily round of a military telegraph operator's life to relieve the grave tedium of his task but i wonder if the man who sent the following wire dispatched post haste one morning detected a glimmer of humour in it coming as it must have done in the midst of an ocean of important messages bearing the grisly impress of war the message ran please send twelve guinea pigs by special messenger urgent a touch of the like saving grace may have appeared in the reply regret having run out of guinea pigs owing to great demand for mesopotamia how about rabbits the x-ray room at a general hospital does for a wounded man much what the laboratory does for a sick one it supplies at once vital information as to his state which probably could not otherwise be obtained in time the location of a bullet or buried fragment of projectile or the precise nature and extent of a bone fracture if early ascertained may make all the difference to the injured man's chance of recovery or at least save him from an infinity of suffering recourse is therefore had to the rantgen rays before every operation for extraction of foreign bodies where the making of a skiograph is in any way practicable having the photograph or rather the shadowgraph of the injured part before him in the theatre for constant reference the surgeon is able to cut down straight to the bullet or whatever may be embedded in the tissues without making unnecessary incisions or spending time in exploration in the case of the fracture of a bone 
the x-ray picture enables a definite procedure to be decided on and all necessary preparations made beforehand and the patient is thus saved the risk of prolonged subjection to anaesthetics in many injuries involving fracture the parts are so swollen and tender as to render any bedside examination in the ordinary way entirely out of the question and the patient therefore would come to the operating table with practically nothing known of his real state but for the help of the x-rays the dispensary is another department of a general hospital where a vast amount of work is done though the medicines prescribed in the wards are standardized as far as possible the usual combinations of drugs are subject to continual variation to suit the needs of the different cases and to accord with the ideas of different medical officers so that stock mixtures can be employed in only limited degree in addition an enormous number of special drugs have to be kept in readiness and the list of these is continually extending the same applies to surgical instruments and appliances all of which pass through the dispensing department of a hospital of instruments their name is legion it is amazing what the development of modern surgery has rendered absolutely necessary in this way even in a field surgical outfit designed for use close up to the firing line while the surgical equipment of an operating theatre in a great base hospital has reached truly astounding proportions this is equally the case with all kinds of surgical and medical material specially devised splints for each variety of fracture bandages of all shapes widths and species of fabric dressings plain or antiseptic surgical lotions of all imaginable kinds in regard to splints and special appliances necessary for the support of fractured limbs so great a demand for these arose in egypt that the medical authorities established a factory in alexandria where all such articles could be made and served out to the various units immediately thus avoiding the delays which so often occurred in awaiting supplies from home this factory was started in may nineteen fifteen and eventually twenty or thirty carpenters metal workers and saddlers found continuous employment there first intended to supply only the mediterranean expeditionary force its products eventually came to be distributed to most of the war centres in the near east besides turning out large quantities of splints of the regulation patterns it was particularly useful as a place where any special appliance could be promptly manufactured to the design and specification of medical officers throughout the war area there is a department common to most general hospitals which is euphemistically termed the lavage room 
it is actually a special surgery and dispensary attended by all patients suffering from venereal diseases who are undergoing a periodical course of treatment here a very considerable amount of really hard and invariably disgusting work is done by the ramc personnel attached to the branch dangerous work too as many a surgeon and orderly has found out to his cost but the work must be done by someone and it is tackled by our men with the same sangfroid readiness and patient skill shown by them in all other activities of the corps it is not necessary here to go into details of the work of the lavage room it involves many minor surgical operations the carrying out of many intravenous and intramuscular injections and a sharp supervision over a variety of matters of a personal kind closely allied with the work of the lavage room is that appertaining to the venereal wards that these wards are practically detention compounds is a fact upon which no other comment need here be made than that experience has proved it to be a necessary fact and one which adds inordinately to the difficulties of the staff employed it is easy to criticise the whole present scheme of treatment of venereal patients in the army but not so easy to suggest amendments at least it is certain that all that can be done in the stress and hurry of wartime is being done in egypt but this and the whole group of social questions from which it arises will have to be reopened and drastically reconsidered hereafter as a national concern it would be well if it were placed in the hands of a strong commission from which all lecture-room cranks and puritan visionaries will have been rigorously excluded and in which none but practical level-headed large-hearted far-seeing christian men of a practical christian world will have any say or sway and such a commission ought to be given power to act i am not addicted to italics as a rule but i feel the need for them here the army to-day will be the nation to-morrow if it be true as one military surgeon of long experience declared in my hearing that when our soldiers return from war ten out of every hundred of them will be tainted with venereal disease it is a tremendous fact that brooks no dissembling the trumpet call that heralds peace must be for us as a nation but a call to another war that will need more than strenuous waging if we mean to keep our place on earth end of section seventeen